Always late Joe Biden today traveled to Mississippi to tour towns ravaged by storms and tornadoes last weekend. So after holding up all day Thursday while the indictment of Trump went down, he went to a rural area of Mississippi where more than two dozen people were killed after a tornado ripped through there once again last weekend. 80-year-old Biden was in the town of Rolling Fork when he said this. The town of Rolling Stone will be back and will be with you every step of the way. And I, did I, what did I say? I, I, didn't, I said Rolling Fork, Rolling Stone. I got my mind going here. Did he just admit to he's got his mind gone here? I got my mind going here. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Joe Biden is shot. His mind's gone. He just admitted to it himself. The sad thing is he never was the sharpest shed in the tool. Yes, I said that wrong. For ironic effect. The Democrats don't think that they can once again pull off their Democrat math operation that got Joe Biden 81 million votes a couple years ago. Wow. Even though he was not campaigning and in the basement and no one came out to see him in the few campaign events he did, Joe Biden was so loved, he got 81 million votes. Or was it, oh yeah, it was 81 million votes because not only did people like Joe Biden, they were tired of Trump's mean tweets. But now the Democrats seem to be afraid that they can't do that again that Joe Biden is highly unpopular as president. So they are in animus mode yet again against President Trump trying to stop him. And since they can't do it at the ballot box, they're trying to keep him off the ballot altogether or damage his brand with hoax and fake indictments, criminal indictments, the first ever against a sitting or a former president. Now, folks, what is the left? What are some of the mainstream media worried about right now? Oh, not about the United States becoming a banana republic, not about the tyranny and the weaponization of the federal government and the legal system. They seem to be worried about how long it took Ivanka Trump to make a statement after the news came out of her dad's indictment. Ivanka Trump breaks silence on her father's indictment while Don Trump Jr. and Eric Trump both rage about the indictment as soon as it landed. Ivanka, who worked as a top advisor in Mr. Trump's White House, had been silent for many more hours. Oh, wow. Oh, they must be, she must have been up to something. She must hate her dad. Now, obviously, Don Jr. is a firebrand. 
and is very vocal. Eric is a little bit more uh, low-key. By the way, there were two versions of my previous episode today, Friday. A A shorter version, which was 31 minutes long, and then a 32 minutes long and a 41 minute version. If you go to the 30 of the previous version, if you want to see the longer version, there's a link in the description and in the pinned comment. You can click on it and watch the longer version. I've got timestamps so you can jump to the stories that were not included in the shorter version. I may put up that uh, longer version uh, overnight as well. But anyhow, in that one, I covered Eric Trump's comments about this. But oh no, Ivanka, she took too long. Ivanka Trump has broken her silence on her father's criminal indictment to say that she is pained for both her parents and her country. Donald Trump's daughter finally, finally released a brief statement on Instagram just before midday Eastern time in Friday, around 18 hours after a grand jury voted to indict the former president on criminal charges over the 2016 hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. There's 30 to 34 indictment counts, indictment counts, according to leaked information from the grand jury. So we don't know, you know, it, it is probably over the hush payments of Stormy Daniels and how it was a business fraud is what they're saying most likely because of how it was accounted for. Anyhow, Ivanka says, I love my father and I love my country. Today I am paying for both. I appreciate the voices across the political spectrum expressing support and concern. We have uh, here it being reported by uh, Fox News. Not quite what that's been. The Trump uh, arraignment is scheduled for 2.15 p.m. on Monday in the courtroom in New York City of one Judge Merchant. We'll get into that. Uh, a little bit later in this uh, episode. But there you have it. She had This is what she had put on Instagram. I love my father. My, I love my country. Today I'm praying for both. I appreciate the voices across the political spectrum expressing support and concern. And what's interesting here is they can't figure it out. She's being so cryptic. How dare her? Does she love her father but she's paying for her country because her father's a crook? Of course not. She's paying for her country because she knows that it is a political witch hunt. And even if she doesn't uh, think that, who cares? She's the president's daughter, not running for president, and she's not going to be in the next administration of President Trump, and she shouldn't be. She's a little bit too lefty for my taste. All right, let's talk about what the Manhattan DA wanted to. They wanted to arrest Trump today, Friday. And Trump's team said no. And it's so funny how they're making a big uh, hoobala about this. Let's see. uh, Joe Biden had illegal, confidential, and classified documents in several locations of which Chinese people were paying for these locations. And the DOJ cooperated with him and actually tried to hide the entire fiasco. But they're making much ado about nothing about President Trump delaying a few days before going to his arraignment. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office asked for Donald Trump to surrender on Friday following a grand jury's vote to indict the former president. But lawyers for Trump rebuffed the request saying that the Secret Service, which provides security detail for the former president, needed more time to prepare. 
The exchange, which was relayed to Politico by law enforcement source and confirmed by Joe Takapina, we'll watch Joe Takapina here in just a second, that's President Trump's lawyer, underscores the extremely delicate, unprecedented nature of the indictment. Until Thursday, no ex-president history had been criminally charged, and both the charge itself and the application of them have placed the country on uncharted legal and political terrain. Now, folks, everything has been unprecedented with President Trump, a non-politician who came in and totally knocked out of the park and was the best president in my lifetime of the United States. Uh, Two sham impeachment hoaxes, the entire machine against him, both rhinos and Democrats, and still accomplished much as president. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, everything about President Trump has been unprecedented. Um... So let's uh, let's get into uh, uh, this and what we can expect on Tuesday. Uh, by the way, as Newsweek is reporting, the left is all up in arms about President Trump uh, and his team saying that Secret Service Secret Service needs more time to prepare for this. After a grand jury indicted Donald Trump on Thursday, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office asked the former president to surrender on Friday. However, he refused, according to his lawyers, referencing a need for the Secret Service to prepare. The issues concerning cooperation between the DA's office and Trump's lawyer highlight the unprecedented nature of the indictment. The claim that Trump could not turn himself on Friday due to planning complications for the Secret Service was first reported by Politico. Uh, a spokesman for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office told the Associated Press the prosecutors had approached Trump's lawyers to coordinate a surrender. However, some law enforcement experts have questioned the claim that the Secret Service needed time to plan such a trip. A former Secret Service agent, Jonathan Wackrow, Wackrow, an analyst for CNN, oh, so we know his credibility, wrote on Twitter that the claim was nonsensical as the agency can get any protectee to any location at any time. Also, the U.S. Secret Service does not coordinate the conditions of surrender. That is between the defendant, their attorney, and the DA. The Secret Service has informed the conditions for security purposes only. You know what? This is probably true. But also... The fact that it's announced and this makes President Trump a big target and they do have some flexibility. Of course, even if they could have had him go today, Friday, it was wise to make sure that they have all their ducks in a row and properly protect President Trump. But MSNBC didn't want to be left out of the loop. So they had their guy, a retired assistant director, uh, Frank uh, Figluzzi, also described the claim as nonsense in his column last night. He added that the Secret Service has had months to anticipate this indictment and certainly has had over a week since their protectee went public with his indictment prediction. Okay, so what can we expect on Tuesday? All right, so we know that President Trump will be arraigned on Tuesday, April 4th at 2.15. He will be accompanied by the Secret Service the entire time, and it appears that most likely he will come through a uh, alternate uh, exit 
or entrance, excuse me, through a private entrance uh, so that he doesn't have to go through the whole public circus and arena and also for his safety. And at that time, he will not be wearing, they've agreed that he will not be in handcuffs, uh, but he will have be fingerprinted and have a mugshot and he will hear the 30 to 34 indictment charges and we will see that uh, that will be public and we'll see that as it happens and learn of those at the same time that President Trump does. It is going to be a circus. I will be covering it. Let's get, uh, let's move along here. Let's get into what Joe Taka Pina, the attorney for President Trump, had to say about this. Will, pre, will, pre, will President Trump plea bargain? Will he work things out? Will they surrender? Will they play ball? Is he going to hole up in Mar-a-Lago? Are we worried about all of this for nothing? Is Ron DeSantis going to have to keep his word that he's not going to extradite Trump? Well, let's go to Trump's attorney and get answers to all these questions. A couple quick things. Uh, do you expect the president to voluntarily surrender? Will he come for his arraignment? Of course, the hope of the crazy left and the establishment is that President Trump will fight against this, that he'll have to take up Ron DeSantis on the Ron DeSantis saying that he would not extradite Trump and that this they could make into even more of a dramatic moment of President Trump not respecting the rule of law. They would like that even more than the mugshot they're going to get next week. But alas, they're not going to get that. Well, they're going to get the mugshot. They're not going to get the resistance. We're working out those logistics right now, Savannah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, he's not going to uh, hole up in, in Mar-a-Lago. So we'll, he'll face this and we'll face it and uh, we'll be successful, I'm sure. Do you expect this to go to trial? Do you see any scenario in which you or the former president would take a plea deal? You know, a plea deal like Alan uh, Weisselberg, Trump company's CFO got, you know, that kind of plea deal. There's a real important reason why she asked that question. We'll get into that in just a moment. But there is a huge connection between this case and the Trump company case with CFO uh, Alan Weisselberg. Like I said, we'll get into that connection here in just a moment. But that's probably why she asked this question. Zero. Zero. First of all, I'm not taking a plea deal to anything, but, but uh, you know, President Trump will not take a plea deal in this case. It's not going to happen. There's no crime. I don't know if it's going to make the trial because we have substantial legal challenges that we have to, to front before we get to that point. Long road ahead. Joe Tacopina, thank you for your time this morning. Good to see you. Thanks, Savannah. All right, folks, of course, give us your thoughts on everything that I am covering on this episode down below. So a reminder, as I reported this morning in both a short version and a long version, CBS had reported that Bragg has some documents that have been uncovered during the probe but are not publicly known or have been reported. And this consists of both financial records and communications between key figures. And they will use these as well as testimony. And supposedly this is why the indictment came down. Of course, this was leaked on purpose, by design, to CBS to prepare the public and bolster 
the idea that this indictment is somehow justified. Now, of course, we've seen this tactic before. The Trump, the judge uh, who's going to be overlooking this is the same person that went after Weisselberg, the CFO of Trump Co. When former President Donald Trump arrives for his appearance in Manhattan Criminal Court on Tuesday, he will look up at a judge who has played a key role in several investigations involving those in Trump's orbit. Judge Juan Merchant presided over the convictions and guilty plea last year of two Trump organization companies and their former chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, one of Trump's most trusted advisors. Merchant is also overseeing the ongoing criminal proceedings involving Steve Bannon, Trump's former chief strategist and senior counselor in the White House who has pleaded not guilty to state fraud and money laundering charges. See how this works? We're a total banana republic, folks. The same political operative judges, DAs, attorneys general, and others always get the cases. They're not randomly assigned like they're supposed to. They get their political operatives. Honestly, folks, I don't know how the United States recovers from all of this. I'm not saying that... that let me qualify this. Our reputation has been tarnished. We know that we know these things have happened, but it's always kind of been in the down low. It's never been so openly obvious. But their hatred for President Trump, and by extension, President Trump represents us, their hatred for us in America and the stopping and the putting a monkey wrench in their globalist agenda, their warmongering, and their establishment, old boys and old girls network only, they're going for broke. And because there have been no consequences for these treasonous traitors, rat bastards, they continue to do these things right in front of our face, flaunting, hey, we can get our own people to do this, to break the law, to bring false charges and hoaxes, because there have been no consequences for their actions. Folks, when this is all said and done, the only way we, we can salvage a little bit of the tarnished reputation of the United States is not just for President Trump to win, but for every single one of these rat bastard children of Satan to be investigated, indicted, and then go to jail or more for their acts of treason. So we've got Judge Juan Merchant yet again, President Trump truthing out. The judge assigned to my witch hunt case, a case that has never been charged before, hates me. His name is Juan Manuel Mercan, who was handpicked by Bragg and the prosecutors and is the same person who railroaded my 74-year-old former CFO, Alan Weisselberg, to take a plea deal. Pled guilty. Uh, uh, this is what they told him. Plead guilty, even if you are not, 90 days, fight us in court, 10 years, or life. Or, in other words, President Trump is saying that they gave... Alan Weisselberg, a plea deal, in quotes, they strong armed him to plead guilty even if he wasn't so that he would only go to jail for 90 days. But if he fought them in court, he would be in jail for 10 years, which would be a life for him since he's only 75. He strong armed Alan, which a judge is not allowed to do, and treated my companies, which didn't plead viciously, appealing. We know that President Trump is not going to plea. That's not in his character and his attorney as I played for you, Joe Takapina said that he wouldn't be doing that. Now, it's interesting. Believe it or not, former Attorney General Bill Barr had some comments about this. In fact, you can almost say that A.G. Bill Barr has come to the rescue 
of us Americans with his great breakdown of why Trump will prevail and Alvin Bragg is about to get destroyed. If you were unclear on what's really going on, (laughs) believe it or not, A.G. Bill Barr has come to the rescue to clarify it all for you. You should be able to explain to your friends, family, and neighbors who have TDS why this is all BS. Um, so what's your, what's your impression, given what, you, what you've heard so far? Well, I wish I had something original to say about this. Almost all the adjectives have been used. I mean, obviously, we have to caveat it. We haven't seen it. We don't know exactly what's there. But judging from the news reports, it's, a, it's, you know, it's the uh, archetypal uh, abuse of the prosecutorial function to engage in uh, a political hit job. And uh, it's a disgrace uh, if, if it turns out to be what we think it is. Uh, and legally, I think it's, uh, it's uh, from what I understand, it's, uh, it's a pathetically weak case. All right, folks. A.G. Bill Barr giving a quick little synopsis there on why the case is weak. And he goes into detail, and I want to cover that. Now, regardless of how you feel about A.G. Bill Barr now, I think that most of us can agree that uh, Bill Barr was, in the very least, a disappointment and most likely an operative there to disrupt President Trump. And we know that he hid the laptop of Hunter Biden and he was part of that whole entire cover-up. And he acted as the interim attorney general with his staff working on the executive orders of Joe Biden that he came in with uh, on day one. Now, remember, A.G. Bill Barr did leave a little bit right before the Biden administration came in. And I, I think I think we have mixed feelings as a community, as a MAGA community, on A.G. Bill Barr several years ago. I think we can all agree, like I said, that he's at least a disappointment. But at the time that he was uh, the attorney general, for those of you that have been on this channel for more than three years or, you know, will know that I was positive. I was optimistic that A.G. Bill Barr would do the right thing, that John Durham would do the right thing years ago. And Why? Well, because I was basing my confidence on people that I trust and respect in D.C. that were closer to what was going on. Jim Jordan and President Trump himself were very positive that A.G. Bill Barr would do the right thing, as would Durham, in a timely manner, and that didn't come to pass. But what Bill Barr shares here, the legal aspect of it, he does a great job in layman's terms breaking down the weakness of their case. But the setup for this comes first. He's uh, the other person he's talking to. Uh, you may uh, recognize him. He's been on uh, Fox News quite a few times, and that's Andrew McCarthy. He's the former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Let's go to him first, and then we'll go back to Bill Barr parlaying and, and expanding on what uh, Andy McCarthy says next. Yeah, it seems to be that the there's two aspects of this that are offensive, at least it seems this way to me. One is the business records part. Uh, and they've made a very strong push that they intend to litigate that to the hilt mm-hmm. and that he did not commit even the misdemeanor. But it seems to me that whether he did or whether he didn't, the first obligation of the prosecutor is to apply the law equally across the board to everyone. 
right. and we're dealing with a, pro a progressive prosecutor who's made his name not prosecuting. Right. So at the very time that he's taking real felonies that are preying on New Yorkers and knocking them down to misdemeanors if he prosecutes them at all, he's taking this case that they would never in a million years prosecute and he's making it into a misdemeanor prosecution. Andy McCarthy, of course, bringing up a, a great point that we all notice, right? The two-tier justice system. Nothing happens to anybody on the Democrat side, the Bidens, the Clintons, etc., ad nauseum. But also specifically in, in New York, people who can commit felonies aren't prosecuted at all or go down to misdemeanors, but they're trying to trump up and, and pump up this misdemeanor into felony charges against Trump. Obviously, they're not even ashamed to, so that we can all see that this is a political hit job. And what drives me nuts, even though, maybe because I'm just a moral person and I can't get used to the absolute lying that comes out of these rat bastards' mouths when they say, no one's above the law. We do equal ac uh, application of the law. When we all know damn well, that's not true. All right, now Annie McCarthy sets up the great explanation. Yeah, great explanation, as you'll see by a Bill Barr on all of this, having to do first with the federal aspect of this entire sham indictment. And then there's the second question about whether, especially with the federal authorities who have jurisdiction over campaign finance violations, having looked at this and decided not to prosecute, he's now not only going to add this to his case, but use it to inflate the misdemeanor, not into a felony. I don't think it does it justice to say inflated into a felony. According to Trump's counsel, and again, as you say, until we see the indictment, we don't know, it's going to be 34 felonies, four-year counts each. Mm -hmm. Yeah, folks, curious to see what those 34 counts uh, in this indictment are, but uh, we'll know that at 2.15 or shortly thereafter, p.m. on Tuesday, uh, April 4th. All right, A.G. Bill Barr. Yeah, it, it, it pains me. It's almost weird to uh, say this, but he does a great job in the following part where he breaks this all down for us. Well, that's right. Um, taking the, the federal issue first, which is the way he appears to defeat the statute of limitations on a misdemeanor and juices up a, a, mis, uh, a technical misdemeanor into a felony, uh, as you say, the, the federal government, the Southern District of New York, did not charge this as a campaign uh, violation. And I saw some editorialist said something like, well, that's because Bill Barr was there. Uh, actually, the Southern District could have done whatever they wanted. Well, I mean, they would have... I always heard that about them. Well, <laughs> For those not aware, that's actually funny on two counts. First of all, the Southern District of New York has been anti-Trump and they've gotten away with doing whatever they want. Look at all the people that have come out of there. James Comey and company, I believe Loretta Lynch came out of there. So they've always, uh, these people, these rat bastards going after Trump have come out of there and that the Southern District of New York has been their ally uh, during all this time going against Trump. Uh, and also the joke being that Andy McCarthy here himself was a former assistant U.S. attorney for that same Southern District of New York. Now you can know why 
if you didn't realize why people were laughing. It was funny on two accounts. But I, I want to point out that the administration ended two years ago, so Bill Barr wasn't there two years ago. And if the statute of limitations had not run federally, they could have done whatever they wanted to do after I left. So uh, no one's done anything. Right. And so for the state DA to try to use this as a way of bootstrapping himself into a felony is, is sort of outrageous. Sort of outrageous. A.G. Bill Barr isn't hyperbolic at all here. It's absolutely ridiculous. All right, A.G. Bill Barr, former A.G. Bill Barr, break down the statute for us legally why this doesn't hold weight either, por favor. But as the other thing is, the statute itself isn't as technical as it sounds. That is, it's not just falsification of a record, but the statute says, with the intent to defraud. So the falsification of the record has to have the intent to defraud. It's not enough to say, well, the falsification is the fraud. Uh, there still has to be some victim of fraud, someone who is, uh, some value is somehow taken away from. Uh, and, and benefited, uh, you know, the perpetrator. And I don't see an explanation for that anywhere. So I think it's, 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 a, it's a very weak case just on the misdemeanor. It's a weak case. Yet Alvin Bragg, who doesn't prosecute anything, is pursuing this. Of course, we know why. All right, and then here's the final portion of the Great Breakdown by William Barr. Uh, and on the federal issue, they've gotten the statute completely wrong in my mind. And I don't think the department would support this interpretation of the statute that they're taking, which is that uh, paying, uh, I'll call it hush money, I don't like that term, but paying hush money is a campaign contribution. I don't think the department would take that position now. I think uh, the statute covers two different kinds of payments something that's a campaign contribution because it augments the, the campaign resources available to spend on a campaign. That's not what this is. Or the payment of a personal expense that otherwise wouldn't be paid but for the election. The only reason you pay the personal expense is because the dependency of the election. And this was, if, you know, even as alleged, this was a payment of a personal expense. And I don't think they can show it's not the kind of payment that would have been made uh, in, in any case. Even, even uh, it wasn't done because of the election. It was done to protect Trump's reputation. And an eponymous private company certainly has an interest in protecting the brand Trump. And it's the kind of thing that probably would have been paid uh, but for the election. So I think the whole thing is a, is a very weak case. All right. So even the hush money aspect of it, assuming that that's what it was and is, is a weak case. They're trying to make it a federal election case, but even the feds didn't take it on because if there were no election in 2016, the Trump organization would have paid this hush money anyway to protect the reputation of President Trump and the business. So great breakdown by A.G. Bill Barr, who unfortunately is a Trump backstabber, but legally a brilliant mind and did a great breakdown. What are your thoughts? Please put it down below. 
We'll be back with a lot more coverage over the weekend. Don't forget to like, uh, share, and subscribe. Uh, We bring you real news every day, generally twice a day. We'll have two to four more reports for you over the weekend. Make sure you hit like, share, and subscribe. Also, hit the follow button if you're watching this on Spotify or you are listening to this in one of our podcast formats. Don't forget that we have a sister channel called The BCP Report. Links to everything I'm mentioning are down below. And also don't forget about our other show, BCP Unfiltered, which you can catch over at therealbcp.com or you can catch it on bcpextras.com or as I said before, you can catch it as a podcast and you can get access to that at bcppodcast.com. We can also watch all of our programming in video format as well on Spotify. Until later in the weekend, ciao, goodbye, God bless.